Welcome back, everybody, to Conversion to Christ podcast, where we dive into many different subjects about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, we have an awesome episode lined up for you, but before we do that, each episode that we film and record goes up on Spotify, Spotify for Podcasters, Apple Podcasts, and Facebook and YouTube. Let's get into this next episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to Conversion to Christ podcast. My name is Jackson Mars, and I'm the host, and today we have three special guests. You want to start with introducing yourself? I'm Sabra. Sweet. I'm uh, Jordan Shanzi. What's your name, Shinaboon? <laughs> I'm Shinaboon, love of the boon. Let's go. I hey, want to explain what the boon is so everyone knows in here in America. Okay, so yeah, it's actually funny you say it. So in my ward, some people are like, wait, your name's Shinaboon? <laughs> so Shinaboon, Shinaboon is just a cute way of saying Cinnabon. Yeah. Like um, like I'm a huge Cinnabon? fan of Cinnabon. Yeah, like the famous brand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I'm not like that is life. That is pure life. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why we don't have it in New Zealand. So I was just like, yo, <laughs> I'm you, gonna name myself. The the first time you had it was in Japan. It was in Japan, and it was right after it. It was my yeah my cousin. He's like, bro. I want to introduce you to something. And I was like, oh, and he's like, it's going to change your life. <laughs> that day I ate it. I think I spent like easily over like 120 bucks <laughs> on some more. Like I ate like, I ate like 20 plus boons and I got <laughs> madly sick, but it was worth it. It was worth it. That's awesome. Well, we're super excited to be here today. And usually when we start these podcasts, we always start with a topic that someone feels inspired to talk about, and then we usually get into the conversion story. So today we're going to talk about... Um, So something I've been thinking a lot about recently is just um, love and the different ways um, decisions in God's love can have a big impact on our life. Um, So I was kind of contemplating some like past experiences I had with of course, as a as a young adult, we go through dating, and it's it's a hard thing. But it was I was thinking a lot about just um, defining love, and the experience that I thought about. I had a one of the girls I dated broke up with me, and I went through the heartbreak, and I I kind of had this weird moment of realization that she loved me enough to break up with me because I wouldn't have been able to grow as a person unless she broke up with me, and so it's kind of like this weird moment where like I was thinking about it like. God sometimes will make these hard decisions or like our parents will make these hard decisions where they love us so much that they have to act or make a, do something a certain way that might make us as the kids maybe temporarily hate them. But then once yeah. we realize that the action that they made for us was better, I think um, like it, it, I, that's just something I've been thinking about. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about um something along that lines yeah that's so cool i actually have so many thoughts about this i think one thing that came to my head well first i'll start with this one thing that came to my head was there's a talk by hubie brown um it's called like the gardener i believe and um he basically goes through this thing where his dream was to become this general in the army and basically god like cut him down and basically was like no you're not becoming um a general but then he realized later he was like God loved me enough to hurt me um, because then he became a general authority, 12 apostle and, and um, president, president of the Quorum of the, 12, uh, Quorum of the 12 apostles. And so like God had so much greater plans for him and he was so hurt in the moment of saying like, I've done everything you've asked me to. I've, I've been a 
uh, faithful tithe payer. I've prayed. I've gone on a mission. I've gone to my church. I've been active. I have a family. And you like cut me down like this. And he learned so much later that um, God was like, had such bigger and amazing mm-hmm. plans for him. I can't remember, but I feel like even in uh, that talk, he talks about how he like, he raised his fist at God and he was angry at God and like kind of yelling at God mad. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, that's, that's exactly what happened. And then he like, I think in the story, he repented right there. Yeah. And he was like, he started crying and realized like, because he heard the voice of God basically saying, I, I love you enough to cut you down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I was also thinking too about when you said dating, like I've had relationships since I've been home from my mission where it's been very good connection when it comes to emotional, physical, and like intellectual, mm-hmm. but not spiritual. And then I've had another relationship where when I did have a relationship with that person spiritually, I was like, whoa, this is so much better than any other connection that I could ever have. Um, and I compared the two and I just realized like, wow, like God, like finding spiritual love and like God's love in a relationship is like so important. And you don't realize how amazing it is until you experience it. And you're like, whoa, I thought like physical connection was cool. Like spiritual connection is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I, I, I want a smoking hot wife, but psych, I want a smoking spiritual hot wife or something like that. No, <laughs> no, literally like I, it's, it's crazy when you experience it, you're like, oh my gosh, like looks don't matter that much. Like, don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it kind of yeah. hits you and you're like, whoa, like this is crazy. Mm-hmm. That's always been a big thing. Like when looking for people is like one of my major things is looking for someone that not only are we going to go well together in every normal, like, worldly aspect, but at the same time, we're going to push each other to grow ourselves spiritually with each other. And it's just going to be, like, a progression that mm-hmm. we do. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. That's What about you, married boy? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it's funny. So, I'm not going to name him. So, we actually had – I was talking with my cousin, and he was saying that they – in japan because of course like for example dating in the states compared to dating elsewhere like for example you guys are living in like the motherland utah (laughs) you guys have so many options like you know you guys have so many options like another one of my cousins he just moved to idaho i heard that's like also another big place where there's so many mormons yeah so you know and i was thinking like oh you know they're going to be surrounded by mormons so it's easy for you guys to get into to be interacted with people that you know, share the same values, have the same ideas, but it's like, what happens if you're in a country, for example, Japan, where the population is less than I think like five percent Christian, and then yeah, even, less, even less, and then it's and then it's less percent for being Mormons. Yeah, and there's he was talking about that from primary to YSA, seventy percent of our youth leave. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it, it's a lot, and it's then I'm thinking. And it's funny how you talk about love. The Lord knows, you know, he, he knows. But then I was thinking, sometimes I feel that for what I've seen with some of the YSA, they talk about, oh, I want this and I want this and I want this and I want this. And it's like a checkbox. Yeah. And it's and, and for me, it's like, well, isn't that something what isn't that something similar that Satan did? He said, if you make me if you make me the most high, I'll make sure they do this and this and this and this. And sometimes our own values, what we think, hey, it's perfect to have good values. Nothing wrong with it. But making it the most priority, because what if the Lord does present you with someone that this happens to be a non-member? 
there's an opportunity there but then at, at the same time you need to evaluate yourself am i spiritually okay with this will i be all right in this in this situation so it is interesting how the lord works with love because i feel that you shouldn't look for perfection you should look for imperfection to be to work towards perfection everyone starts at zero me and my wife got together you know we were yeah we're here and we've just you we're growing we're slowly growing together and that's that's at the same time that speaks for the lord's love because we're coming on to our 11th year wow yeah wild <laughs> that's amazing dude i so i think this is some thoughts i had while you're speaking is like i feel like a fear that i've had is like i do kind of want that checkbox but then what i've learned from dating is that like you can grow so much more with someone that's not exactly like you or not exactly what you like perfectly want. Because I'll give my sister, for example, like she, when she got home from her mission, she was looking for like the tall boy who served a mission, who's super spiritual, does like scripture study for two hours every day, like is going to be an apostle. Like that's like, my sister was like looking for this guy. And I remember the guy she would bring home sometime. I was like, this guy's weird girl. Like <laughs> he is kind of, and but no, no offense to those guys, but then she eventually kind of realized that it's not, you don't have to marry someone who's perfect for one, but two, who fits like everything you think you want because Heavenly Father knows what you actually need. And she married this guy where they're both so different, but they've grown so much with both of their weaknesses, being able to use the atonement to forgive and love. And when you're able to like stay in a marriage where you can overcome things and still love each other, you're so much stronger than like nowadays Satan's trying to ruin the family where divorce is so easy. They just disagree on one thing or they don't, they have one difference and they're like, we cannot do this. This is like, they try to find this perfect match when you're never going to find a perfect match. You're always going to have disagreements, but that's what's so powerful about the atonement. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, Sweet. Awesome. Well, that was cool. I'm glad we talked about God's love. Let's get into Sabra's. That's who you say, right? Yes. <laughs> Sabra's story. I think that's, that's a cool name. It's like Sabra, you know, like bruh. Like, <laughs> that's how I always explain it. If I'm over the phone <clears throat> and someone asks, how do you actually pronounce your name? I'll go, say, bruh. <laughs> say, bruh. <laughs> that's awesome. Do they say bruh in New Zealand? Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, let's just get into your story. Start when, like, you were maybe super young and just talk about, like, how you were raised, if you were religious. Um, yeah, you can just, it's your story. You can go from there. <laughs> Yeah, I never really started this far back. Oh my! Well, um, <laughs> You're like I... in the pre-mortal life. I was. No, I'm just <laughs> Sorry, keep going. I just didn't get the like know what was happening before. Out of nowhere. <laughs> I um, I was born and raised in Georgia. I grew up Southern Baptist. Um, actually, fun fact: went to church with Truett Kathy, which a lot of people don't know who that is, but he's the founder of Chick Fil A. Whoa! Wow. <laughs> he's Southern Baptist. He is Southern Whoa, Baptist. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um I respect him. He was and my you. Sunday school teacher when I was like two years old. <laughs> wow. Okay. But I grew up in like Atlanta and then moved to Rome, which is northwest Georgia, and was a gymnast for 13 years. So for most of my life, well, majority of like middle school and high school, I was homeschooled because I was spending 40 hours a week in the gym. But uh, doing like what? Like like the spins and like jumping off trampolines? 
pretty not trampoline. Oh, like on balance beams. And oh, cool. Stuff like that. Oh, wow, that's way Lots cool. Lots of backflips. Okay, okay. Yeah, cool. and being a I ninja. Mean, we grew up going to church every Sunday. That was just a normal thing until we moved up to Rome, and then my mother just stopped going. Um, and I think that was a big moment for me. I always saw Christ in my family, but at the same time, I'm like. This is not where I want to be. <laughs> yeah. And it just got worse and worse as I got older. So in high school, I s- ended up going to a private Christian school. Believe it or not, that was actually tragic. Okay. <laughs> so it was, was it Christian? It was Christian. It was non denominational, but we okay. studied things like systematic theology. So we'd have books of, I think it was Wayne Grudem, systematic theology, which was like, Books of how Protestants believe in explaining every single detail of like how we were supposed to believe. Okay. And something, it just, it never felt right. It was also the part where everyone was like going to church on Sunday, but throughout the week, they were just like doing whatever they wanted, doing whatever they wanted. Like kind of a Sunday Christian kind of thing. Sunday Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, me and Sunday Christians. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but no, I cheered my freshman year of college at Shorter University, which is a private Baptist college. Um, mm. That was interesting. And the reason all of this is like so upsetting to my family is because my mother went to seminary, like Dallas Theological Seminary. She was she has a degree in biblical counseling and <laughs> things Whoa. like that. Yeah. So, Wait, so she's like a counselor, but is like, she's actually a financial advisor. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. But like, she, if she were to, is there such thing as like biblical counselors, like who are counselors, but yes. involves the Bible? Uh, Whoa. Like yes, Christian there are. Okay. And that's just, so I grew up around all the books explaining Christianity yeah. in a nutshell, C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. <laughs> things like that, and wow. all the theologians, just everything. And even at the Christian school I was going to, that's the stuff we read. We didn't read your, I mean, we occasionally would, but not your typical like Fahrenheit 451. (laughs) (laughs) I love Fahrenheit 451. (laughs) Cool. Okay. Yeah, I ended up going to college and still didn't feel right. That was like the second time I tore my knee. It's weird how tearing my knees plays into this because I would go through that like depression of being an athlete for so long. Yeah. And then not being able to do anything because I just just had my fourth and fifth knee surgery. Wow. It's crazy. And so I ended up transferring schools because I was living at home when I was going to Shorter. It was right there. I'm good at jumping around on things. Yeah. But I ended up going to Georgia Southern and Statesboro, and I was a part of this ministry called Baptist Collegiate Ministry. Cool. <laughs> it's basically, I guess you would call it Institute for Baptists. And we would go there you know, like Tuesday night and we'd hold like a worship session and stuff like that. And we do like games throughout the week. But that cool. was, you know, it sort of all started when I got to Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern was your college, right? Yes. So before you continue throughout all this time, like, did you actually think like, did you believe in God? Did you believe in Jesus Christ? Um, did you think the Baptist church was like 
the correct church? Or do they even believe that in the Baptist church, that there's like one true church? And is it the Baptist church? So, no, they don't believe that it's, there's like one true ter- church, but they do have their differences with the denomination. Okay. <laughs> where they're like, eh, I don't know how I feel about this. So that's that's the thing with denominations. They're like all different in different ways. And like the two churches, well, three, if you that would upset people the most for Protestants was the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. the Latter-day Saints, and the Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, it makes sense, yeah. Those were the three that no one would, like, agree with. Like, we respect them in front of their faces. But <laughs> <laughs> behind their backs, yeah. it was not yeah. really out there. But, yes, I I was a Christian. I believed in Jesus Christ and everything, but I always just felt there was something missing. And we actually did have a Book of Mormon laying in our house. I was told not to touch it, but we had one there. Not to touch it. Wow. <laughs> interesting. Did you know why they told you not to touch it? Or it was just kind of like this weird No, thing? I didn't. I had no interest in reading anyway, yeah. so I could have cared less, but it was sitting next to the fireplace so i'm like why is it there <laughs> eventually i thought they were going to start using it as a fire starter now that i know <laughs> yeah dang <laughs> but... that's crazy it, it it seems like i swear it seems like every time someone's a convert they're like yeah we did have a book of mormon in my house though but we never touched it i was like interesting why do they all end up in houses like missionaries just give them away like crazy and they just like throw them in the back of the I shelf like my mom might have had to study it when she was doing all that seminary stuff because oh, okay. we have this thing Um, called apologetics where we study mm -hmm. all the other religions and i think that probably was part of it okay setting like that do you so so like part of their curriculum yeah probably probably. Mm. so did they think does the does the southern baptist church is southern baptist church right that's when you're part of it's baptist but i was originally part of southern baptist then i was a part of a more not li- more liberal version of yeah, the not Baptist as, church okay. eventually. <laughs> so, so do each of these like denominations of Baptist church think they're basically the most correct to Christ church? Is that kind of their teaching? Um, I think it's more the personal relationship. So like. Oh, I see. And your political beliefs are sort of involved oh, with that whole thing. Because if your political beliefs differ, it's going to be. It definitely affects which denomination you're in. Oh, so it has nothing to do with like the most correct church. It's just like they just focus on your own relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. Oh, for the most part. Okay. And it's also like the other thing that was a problem with it for me was especially Southern Baptist because that's it's the Bible Belt. That's a major branch of church in the South. Yeah. Was if you were running for political office or anything like that, you were going to use that for your status. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Because <laughs> growing up, they always say, keep politics out of church. And they would say that over and over and over again. But I would continue to see it so much in the church and like taking over. And I was like, I don't think that's you're following what you said about that. But yeah. okay. <laughs> Yeah, I I think one thing I've seen just by my own experience, but also listening to other people who converted to our church, they say like, there's a lot of pastors who are using maybe their like authority, they whatever they have, right, to do things that pastors shouldn't do. 
Um, I remember there was a church in this small town in Montana that I was serving in. They had a casino. They had a full basketball court. They had, it was evangelical church. They had um, bouncy houses. They had huge stadium with like five different projectors with like a big band up front. We invite, oh, and they had a full cafeteria. And I just thought like, is this necessary to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And this, that was my thought of like, yeah, it's like, I, I understand church activities. I understand gathering together, but this is like, a 10, $20 million facility. Like, do they, do they need this? And so I was talking to someone actually last night at the temple. I went to the temple and he was from the Congo and he was like, he's like, one of the main reasons I converted was because people, instead of working and trying to like make a living, they just want to become a pastor because then they're like, he said that he would see this in church. They would say, all right, anyone with hundred dollars, they can come up, get their hundred dollar prayers. Anyone with $10 can come get their $10 prayers and I'll pray for you. And then you'll be able to get more blessings because you're showing God that you like want it more and that you're more faithful. And so he saw that and he was like, this is not right. This is like what Jesus Christ taught against. And so when, when he heard our church, he was like, Wow. And I think, I really do think that's going on everywhere. I know there are amazing churches outside of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but there, there comes with, with that style of denominations and religions comes corruption because there's no authority. There's no like, like doctrine that says like, we don't get paid. This is all volunteer. You know what I mean? So then from that point, when you said you first got to college yes, and this is where what all started, you said something started. Yeah. This is kind of where it all started. So you know, the dating thing you mentioned earlier, <laughs> it started with a guy on Tinder. <laughs> Tinder. <laughs> Tinder Dendo. <laughs> so I had Tinder because I was, you know, horrible at making friends. And I matched this guy from like Charleston, South Carolina, because that was like Georgia Southern's like an hour from Savannah. So it's like right there. Okay. But I met this guy. We were on Snapchat talking. I never actually met him in person. He actually texted me the other week when he found out I was a member. I was like, what? But so I noticed he was getting dressed up every Sunday. And I'm like, you obviously go to church, but it's also late in the afternoon. Where in the world are you going? He wouldn't tell me. But (laughs) he eventually ended up telling me he's like, yeah, I go to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I had to Google it because I was like, what in the world? And I was like, <laughs> oh, the Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So that was a weird thing. And then I ended up telling you know, some people at BCM, and he was – at this point, this is when everything started going downhill. He kind of – he disappeared after that, and then my granddad got sick. His heart started failing and he passed away. So by this point, I was at a really big party school. I was in a sorority. I drank like a bunch, a lot. I was an alcoholic at 19 years old. That is so weird to say. But when you are have that much access, it's going to happen. So and it wasn't like I was a party drinker. I was a drinker in my room, especially when my granddad passed away and I had just lost the guy I thought it was like my best friend. <laughs> yeah. It just disappeared. What did you learn or what did your pastor or your parents teach you about members of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, when you were like younger Mormons? It was never like something that was taught. It was just kind of a natural you by the way you're taught and learned. You don't it's not necessarily the church that's brought up. It's 
we don't associate with these people, but the name is never mentioned. It's just sort of like common knowledge to not associate with the church. Whoa, so. okay. Interesting. Just kind of how you grew up, like it, you don't yeah. like think twice about it. I didn't like, even know just... they existed until I actually got to college. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then from that point when you were like, became an alcoholic, you were like, were you were you not only were you drinking alcohol, but were you like super down about life? Like, was life just sucking because your grandpa? Yeah, my granddad had just passed away. I was who going like a case a day, <laughs> and that's not that's a lot for cigarettes, but it's a lot for alcohol too. I think it's like double the amount. That's crazy. Yeah, and I just was not having it. Like, I felt off. I was like. I knew Jesus. I read my Bible all the time. I'd be in my room in the middle of the night not being able to sleep, and I'd have my Bible in my lap, and I'd be annotating and taking notes. But it just it never felt right, ever. <laughs> yeah. Was, was it kind of like no matter how much you searched, and it didn't have a fulfilling factor to it in a way, or was it – I don't know. I feel yeah, like I've heard I just, it kind of like, – I felt empty, like mm. – it wasn't enough to keep me going like I was stagnant and not progressing. Like I was just stuck in one place and had nothing else I could do. So were you trying to like at the time overcome stopping alcohol? Or did you want to stop drinking? I, so that's a, that's a funny thing. I, it's not necessarily that I drank so much i knew it was like a temporary fulfillment yeah um but with other things that went on my life that were caused by it that's probably the only thing that made me want to stop drinking until i found the church other than that i liked the taste of fireball but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you you like um <laughs> you said you didn't want to quit drinking until so basically you were like drinking, but also like studying the Bible often, right? Yeah. And then you're just like, I'm just going to keep doing this. Just like, That's about what I kept doing, honestly. And like, I honestly, I didn't even stop drinking until the night before I was baptized. But we're whoa. not going to tell anyone that. I had to have a last <laughs> raw, okay? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hardcore. Also, I was like. Yes. Whoa, you're like that's hardcore. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. terrible. <laughs> <That's> terrible. <laughs> this guy. That's crazy. So I mean you're here now though. That's all that matters. Yeah, Whoa. <laughs> Dang, that's that's I'm not gonna say that's cool. I was about to say that's way cool, but um that's crazy. We'll just say that. That's crazy. Go ahead. Can I ask a question? Um so it's actually a funny thing how because I think I understand. I understand from both of our, as a convert, alcohol is quite normal. In New Zealand, drinking, so you actually can, you can drink with, so children can drink, they're actually allowed to drink with their parents. It's like a gray zone under 18, as long as there's like parent uh, supervision. And then like from 16, you can kind of drink, but as long as you're with your parents. But drinking age is from 18. 18 um like where you can buy your liquor so when she was talking about the you know she's like as a 19 year old she was drinking a lot i was like uh it's quite common in new zealand but your relationship with alcohol was it hard to give up like 
did you find it difficult to give up? Because as you said, it was kind of like an antidote for you whenever something difficult was happening, you know, it's it was something that you were able to use as kind of like a, a support. Or did something it something to, you know, did it numb something? Yeah, or numbing, yeah. It's definitely numbing the pain, but I got to the point where I would be coming off that like drunkenness and I would just literally be on the bathroom floor having a mental breakdown like coming down Um, from it's a lot worse and it's it got to the point where i couldn't take that anymore so it was not hard to give up i mean i've had that challenges i mean jordan and the sisters barged into my house the other day because i had a case of beer and i was just so ready to drink it yeah (laughs) so it's like hard to overcome right it it is i mean I'll have those moments it hits, but it's <clears throat> as long as I recognize I'm so much better with, off without it, then I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. There's so many more fulfilling things. And that's like, yeah. <laughs> Dang. You recognize it. That's awesome that you recognize it. And you're, you know, we, everyone has their issues. And I like that. You're like, you know, I recognize it. I identify it. And you're doing your best with it. So that's that's pretty much, that's all the Lord is asking us, really. That's from my side of it. So, yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, I just, I would I would have liked to hear your version of, was it difficult um, moving trends, you know, transiting from alcoholic to non-alcoholic. Oh, no, I tried. And, yeah, it seemed, <laughs> oh, okay, well, oh, that's impressive. That's impressive. After I got baptized, I was like, that's the switch. <laughs> that's impressive. That's really impressive. Now that that's awesome. Congratulations. That is. Could I could I say something? I I really liked what you said about like um, you you knew it was worth it. Like I am I I'm the night that me and the sisters had to intervene. Like since that night, I remember so many times looking at you at church or looking at you on your story, like going to the temple more, doing more spiritual things, and it was really cool because I saw a very almost instant difference even from that night where you had to have help intervene but from that night you i feel like you personally chose okay from now i'm gonna do better and even though that wasn't that long ago you are i think so much stronger today like i don't know it was very cool to see that power yeah i had already had my temple date set at this point this was a month before i got to the temple that this happened wow i want to hear about specifically like when when did it change like when because you said you wanted to live that life continue drinking and also you know being a christian until you found the church so So, where did that happen another fun tinder story (laughs) (laughs) tinder is the converter flirt to convert right um i actually i was moved to louisiana for a month with my mom because she was so my parents are still married they just live in two different states because she got a job offer down there okay. so they'll commute the seven hours on weekends which wow. is crazy to me on yeah. but that dedication is a lot but they yeah. also need Jeez. their time away from each other so that's fair um but i met this guy on tinder obviously regular tinder stuff i went to his house whatever um classic tinder and i saw jesus on the wall i was like i'm sorry what (laughs) what is happening and then he told me he's from utah he's like so he was an inactive member okay divorced and had moved back from utah with his family to mississippi 
and had no intention of going back to church. But so I told him about my experience and how much I was raised Southern Baptist. And he goes, you know, you should really go and see the church before you judge. As a non-member, and I think that was the biggest thing. I'm like, why is a non-member telling, like an ex-member telling me this? Yes. (laughs) That's crazy. And then were you just like, maybe I should? Yeah. So I actually moved back. I still wasn't so sure. I mean, I thought about it. It was in the back of my head, but I moved back to Georgia for the rest of summer, worked at Outback Steakhouse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And... I ended up one of the one of the days this coworker it was his last day there. It's weird how much this just random stuff like happened. He walked in and I just look at him and like we say our names, but I just look at him and I go, "Are you a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints?" And that was that and I ended up at church the next Sunday. <laughs> and he was and he's like, he "Yeah." He was. Wh- there was what? no tells or anything. It was just something that came out of my mouth what the and i'm like heck? that was like the first really like recognizable encounter i'm like okay the holy ghost is doing something here he's trying to Whoa. push me towards something <laughs> was it was it kind of like a oh did i say that out loud moment kind of a thing or <laughs> i feel like that my eyes rolled to the back of my head i'm like what in the world did you just say <laughs> <laughs> whoa so it's like how did you know i was like i i don't know i just said it <laughs> whoa do you that's crazy. So you got to probably realize now, right? That like the spirit was just slowly preparing you to where you'd like slowly be open. Cause I'm sure if there would have been an experience when you were like active in the Baptist church, you would have been like, no, I'm like, no, thanks. Like not interested. Yeah. But like, that's crazy. It's, it's so interesting how the spirit does that. It like, is like in everyone's stories, it's just like slowly, slowly leads them to, to where they're like, have this one experience where they're like, yeah, sure. Like, maybe I'll listen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. So how was your sp- first experience at church? It was interesting. I'm lucky I didn't go first on a... F- oh, no. no. I'm glad I didn't go first on a fast testimony meeting. That would have scared me <laughs> so bad. Oh, really? Um. So the one I went to, the youth had actually just gotten back from Trek. And I was coaching gymnastics as well as the time. And I saw one of my gymnasts get up there. I was like, Whoa. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah and that was awesome so i was just i sat with their family and i feel like i never talked to missionaries in georgia and i feel like that was because i sat with the family that they thought i was just home from college and that's crazy because they had a double date set so one of them should have been bound to talk to me at some point (laughs) but they didn't okay so wait so they they knew you weren't a member though i don't think they did i don't think because of how much I participated in church, obviously I didn't take the sacrament because with my Baptist background, I was going with no intention of joining the church. Yeah. I was going just to see what it was like. And I had no intention up until like a month before I was baptized. Wow. So. What? So when did you start first meeting with the missionary? When I moved back to Louisiana in August. So how long How long you had you had gone to church before moving back to Louisiana? Every other weekend for two months. So maybe like four okay. Sundays. Okay. So not, not too crazy. And then like when you got back, did you just meet the missionaries? Did you go to their church? What happened? No. So they, I actually, they walked into the place where I was working. And it's a funny story now because Sister Wynn, um, 
which she had transferred right before them. But Sister Wynn, it was her birthday, apparently, and it was a pee day. What? <laughs> so they walked into this fudge shop that I worked at. And I go, hi, I've been going to the church in Rome. And they're like, the Vatican? <laughs> I was like, no, Rome, Georgia. <laughs> and so I ended up talking to the, with them then. But it's a funny story now because apparently Sister Wynn, it was her birthday. She was having a rough day. She turns to um, Sister McKee and goes, we should just go. I don't think this is going to go anywhere. So we rub it in her face now that I'm a member. <laughs> what? So – she she was like doubting and saying like oh this girl's not interested like she was having gonna... a rough rough day and okay. like she wouldn't trade it for the world now because I mean look where I am yeah she yeah was there with me yesterday so dang that's crazy <laughs> so you were like oh I've been going to the church and then they were like oh do you want to meet like did they ask you to meet then yeah they gave me their phone number and I texted them but I kind of ghosted them for a little bit I also was in Mexico for a little bit so I went out of the country on a cruise <laughs> okay you started meeting with them when they. Did they ever give you these challenges and did you follow the challenges during these lessons? Did I follow the challenges? Absolutely not. It was <laughs> – so, yeah, they would give them to you, but I was just sitting there. Like, they will even tell you now. I didn't say a word. I They were like, do you have questions? I like, I didn't say a word. I still had no intent into joining in yeah. the church. So I just – I didn't care. I just wanted to hear what they had to say because I wanted to know more information. I wanted to know why my parents – didn't like the church yeah. and why so many people didn't like the church. So I was just kind of present. And at the same time, I was becoming like best friends with them too outside of those conversations. Yeah. So it was just, it was a weird phenomenon because when we were in lessons, yeah, we were talking about the church and I was a completely different person from outside of the lessons when yeah. I was just talking nonstop. Yeah. So it was an interesting experience. It wasn't until the first fast testimony I meeting I went to in November that I knew I was going to join the church. Really? <laughs> so were, when you were listening to them talk about like Joseph Smith, golden plates, like an angel, were you just like, this is a bunch of BS? Like, what were you thinking in your mind? Pretty like, much. I was rolling my eyes to the back of my head in my head the whole time. Like, why in the world? Oh, These man, people are crazy. Yeah. Were, were you curious of like why so many um, people were a part of the church where you're like, why so many people follow this? Like, was that interesting well, to you? Well, I never recognized how many people there really were. I mean, we had maybe 10 people showing up to our ward because it's such a small town in oh, Louisiana. Okay. Yeah. So I never knew to the extent of it. I mean, I knew about, obviously, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Like, yeah. I knew about those things, but yeah, just <sighs> never noticed it. Shouldn't even ask your question, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, my... Question was how you said, you know, you're going doing the lessons, you're participating in the um, activities. Like, what came? What what made you think? What inspired you to be like, yes, I'm going all the way through this? Like, did you wake up? Did you dream? Did you have an interaction? Yeah. Yeah. So the. <laughs> It all happens with the Holy Spirit at the fast testimony meeting. I felt like I was physically being pushed off my seat to get up there and bear a testimony that I didn't even know I had. Yeah. So the first fasting testimony meeting I ever went to, I was on this stand shaking like a leaf. <laughs> like a leaf. Bearing Let's a go. testimony I didn't know I had. I hadn't even been asked to set a baptism date at this point. Yeah. This was just... 
pure thing. And I was sitting there, like, the sisters would see me, like, inch up in my chair. And I'd be looking. I'm like, what is happening right there? They're like, you can go up there. You know that, right? And so I ended up going up there towards the end. And everyone's looking at me like, what the heck is happening right now? And I'm like, so I know I am not a member of the church. But as I'm learning about it, and then I just started bearing a testimony, I was like, wow. And next thing I know, of course, you know, the next thing asked was, when are we getting you baptized? Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. So what did you say when you went up to bear your testimony? Were you just like, I, I think this like, is true? Like, what did, what did you say? I was just like, and this was like the first few testimony meetings I ever got up was like this. Because when I got baptized, I still wasn't like 100% like sure on everything. Yeah. And like, even with my first temple recommend interview, I wasn't sure on everything. Like, I even told my bishop that, how do you give me it still? Not my question to ask. (laughs) I just, I got up there and I was like, I know I'm not a member, but I appreciate the aspect and the openness that everyone has. And I love how you guys interact with each other. And as I'm learning about this stuff, I'm coming to see more and more things. And of course, I was not really seeing more and more things because I was ignoring the whole thing. But like, I was up there and it was like, I can't even remember exactly what I said because the spirit was talking so through strong, me so much. Yeah. And it was so crazy. And it's still a surreal experience to me. But I just remember that feeling of I'm shaking. And like, my human side was like, I don't want to be up here. I'm betraying my family right now. Yeah. But like it was like my body was just taken over and I had to be up there. So Whoa. Interesting. That's crazy. And I'm sure from that point on you're like, I cannot deny what just happened. Like Oh that no, was... I set a baptism date like that. <laughs> Whoa. So then like what? So the next lesson where you just like, yep. Did it you was tell the missionaries like, like five th- minutes after it? My lesson what? was right after church and they're like, So we want to ask you to set a baptism date. And I'm like, Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, Whoa. let's put it on the calendar. December fourth, good everyone. Yep. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> wow. See, like this is so this is my explanation, everybody, of why these experiences happen. And and you guys can give me your thoughts. I believe in the premortal life so strong. And I believe because for example, we can say, Oh, why doesn't this happen to other people attending our churches? Why doesn't this happen to people who um do the same thing where they just meet with the missionaries to prove them wrong or to because I mean, I, I had so many people on my mission who just met with me just to prove me wrong or to um, just bash us, right? And so you think, why does this happen? Well, I believe Sabra for sure in the premortal life was like, I want to follow Jesus Christ and I want to follow God. And that's why she's doing it now. I like totally believe they correlate. And so that's my explanation. Because it's like, you could say like, why do you have that crazy experience and like someone else doesn't? And I totally believe that's my that's my explanation. What do you guys think? I definitely think like, uh, sorry, jumping in, I was thinking of like uh, almost like a predetermined choice. Like if you choose now to do something that, you know, may, might happen later, you're more likely to make the right decision or that original choice first. Yeah. So like, like what you said, if she made the choice in the premortal life, then of course it had to flow through more naturally. Uh, exactly. And that's why I think also the the spirit was like slowly working her up to getting to where she was in the premortal life to where she was like, I want to follow Jesus Christ. I want to be a part of the true church. And I think that's why you were so prepared without you even realizing you were being prepared. Right. So I think there's no other way to explain it. I think that's why the premortal life plan of salvation is such dynamite doctrine that 
no other church has that can't explain these things. You know what I mean? Can't explain. I, okay, guys, I literally was talking to this evangelical dude the other day and we were talking about, he's, he's a jeweler. He was like fixing my ring. And I was like, I was like, I do this podcast. And I was like, I was like, why did you choose to follow Jesus Christ? And he was like, oh, I just like, for some reason, I've always felt that way. Like there's no specific time I converted. I've just always wanted to follow him. And I was like, I was like, don't you think like you've always chosen this? And he was like, I've I've had that feeling before. I was like, imagine like when Abraham, like he said that that he knew him before the womb. He's like, don't you believe in that? And he was like, yeah, I've like actually always have felt like there's something deeper. Like I've always wanted to do this or something and I was like, oh, does your church church teach there was a life before you were born? He was like, no. And I was like, well, guess what? In our church, we believe. And then he was like, that's so interesting. But I just thought it was cool because they feel that, but their church doesn't have that doctrine. So they have to automatically reject it. Um, but everyone feels those things. They feel, why do I meet this person for a certain reason? Why do I have these specific experiences? Why do I naturally want to do this? Why do I naturally want to be a good person? But Ted Bundy doesn't, right? He wants to <laughs> kill people. So like, why do we want to do certain things? Um and I just think the plan of salvation is amazing. So from that point where you were like, I'm going to set this date to be baptized. Were there times where Satan was working on you? Because as soon as you have that like set where you're like, I want to be baptized. Satan's like, this is literally the best decision she'll ever make. And I know this, like, I'd rather have, I'd rather have her stay in the Baptist church. I don't care if she stays in the Baptist church because that's way better than her being a part of the true church. So did you feel any crazy temptations come or? Like I said, I didn't stop drinking till the day before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was baptized and <clears throat> sorry, Sister McKee and Sister Bruff, if you're watching this, but that's how it went. So <laughs> um it was like of course I had those temptations and I honestly it did get rough because my parents were starting to catch on. I mean, my mother was tracking me at twenty years old with Life 360. Yeah. Like that was ridiculous to me, but I also felt so pushed away and like an outsider to them that I didn't want to stop it. I mean, I almost canceled my baptism a couple of times, but like I only had a month span in between. So it was nothing too crazy that could have really happened. Was it just because you're, you're like the reason you were wanting to cancel was for what reason? Your parents? You were like, I was scared. I was disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Disappointing. I mean, even though me and my parents never had a great relationship, just the thought of disappointing someone who literally gave, made you like that's and gave birth to you. Like yeah. that's at the top. Yeah, scary thought. Yeah. Scary things. Yeah. Go ahead. Question. Do your parents know that you're baptized? We'll get into that one after. They do. They do. Now they do. Now they do. But they didn't oh, find out until six months after I was baptized. Whoa, really? Wow. Yeah, they kicked me out for just associating with the church a month after I was baptized. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. That's crazy. So then, yeah. So how, how, well, let's go into your baptism. How was your baptism day? It was great. So I actually didn't even finish my lessons till like midnight the night before. Were they up when they were supposed <laughs> to be? Yeah. Um, I had my baptism interview the day before. That's how like last minute. So I was barely any lessons in apparently when Whoa. I got asked to set a date. 
and we were rushing to get them done. Uh, I actually painted a little rubber ducky for one of the sisters <laughs> because they kept forgetting to teach me the law of tithing. So it had like a tithing slip on it. <laughs> it was hilarious. But Whoa. like even in my baptism interview, it just kind of confirmed to me that I knew I was supposed to be baptized um, until I got asked if I prefer elders or sisters. And then I literally only knew sisters up to that point. So that was yeah. why did you know so, why did you know that you wanted to be baptized in the interview like why i just i felt this like reassurance and the positivity that this elder like brought was like oh the interviewer to me. yeah the elder was the interviewer i see yeah. it was just it was unreal <laughs> oh whoa so, like just the way the interview went you were like whoa like this is yep, real like, and i was i was straight up with him like i'm like elder martino I don't like fully understand all of this, but this is what happened that one day. <laughs> so yeah. it was all riding on that one experience I had yeah. at this point. Like I didn't realize all these other previous experiences were what they were until I actually moved out here. So whoa. Wow. So from so here's the thing about testimony and conversion is like testimony is you can know things to be true, but conversion is you're acting on what you know to be true, right? And so from that point, you can only go so far from that one experience, right? And so how has it been like continuing your growth in the gospel from then? It's been difficult to say the least. So after I got baptized, I actually got baptized on a Sunday and <laughs> the sisters were so scared I was not going to show up the next Sunday for my confirmation. And they had a right <laughs> to be scared yeah. because I... I got to the day before. I'm like, maybe I just won't go to church tomorrow and give him a scare. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but I, after my confirmation and receiving the Holy Ghost, everyone says you feel different. I actually didn't feel that much different, but I knew something was different. I just didn't feel it like yeah. right then and there. Like you didn't feel a sensation, like of like. No, like, I didn't. Yeah, because I was still I was still in shock that I had actually done what I had just done. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> so, it was definitely crazy. So I, this is like when it got to around Christmas time. So a year ago today, actually, because my confirmation was a year ago last Monday, right? Yeah. So um, a year ago today, I actually went out with the zone and did missionary work for the first time. Whoa. So like 20 minutes after my confirmation, my bishop pulled me in his office and all the sisters like, no, 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 don't do this. Yeah. And they gave me my calling. They're like, you're going to scare her with a calling. What? But no, I got my calling 20 minutes after I was confirmed. I was a ward missionary. What? And that sort of started my journey of going out with the missionaries everywhere. I traveled around half the mission helping out the missionaries after Whoa. they transferred out of our zone. Whoa. I bet you were like so well known among all the missionaries. They're like, this girl's awesome. I still have greenies that'll text me after the first mission. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it felt like you had half the mission there at the temple with you yesterday. I did. So yeah, there were Whoa. about 15 RMs from that mission that came. No way. Some I had never even met before. <laughs> Really? They just knew my story. Whoa, that's so cool. Okay, so then getting to talk, getting to where you talk to your family, where you have to tell your parents, or how was that? So I, 
I mean, I got kicked out beginning, end of January for just associating with the church because I was going on Sundays and I ended up living and I, at this point I was still like, do I want to continue doing this? And for a long time, I ended up, when I lived with that family, the Blaylocks, I ended up getting, I love how I'm just name dropping. <laughs> Wait, who were you living with? Sorry, what? The, the Blaylocks. They were a family in the church. They had six kids. Their oldest son was at BYU and he just left out to Spain. Um... And they, you were living with them because your parents kicked you out? Yes. That's what's going on? Okay. So I had a whole five other siblings that I didn't necessarily want, yeah. but I loved them to death. And they actually grew my testimony even more. So they were like, you need to go to the temple. You need to go to the temple. So while I'm living with them, I go and get my recommend. And goodness knows how many rules I was not actually following. <laughs> <laughs> still got that record and it's not like i lied about it i didn't lie about it yeah. I, I told my bishop straight up i'm like hey he's like you're a new member you'll get used to it eventually <laughs> especially like tithing that was like my biggest thing it's like i haven't been tithing because i don't feel like and i don't remember to tithe and still i struggle with that to this day i'm like i yeah. can't get on a habit of tithing but even in the baptist church they're like tithe 10 percent interesting but they just don't keep track of it, so. yeah, yeah it's just like your own because it's in the Bible, so yeah, yeah, not an amount, but ten percent. Well, I think ten percent is actually in the Bible. Yeah, I mm-hmm. people say it's not, and I'm just like. I mean, it depends on the interpretation. Yeah. That's why we need modern day prophets. Okay, sorry, <laughs> but um, sorry, I just have to make fun of all the thousands of interpretations of the Bible, and people are like, the Bible is everything, but it's like, which Bible is everything? Well, is the word <laughs> <laughs> so? But we still love you, everyone who supports the Bible, because we love the Bible too. So, um, so then you, so you started going to the temple baptisms, right? You're I doing baptisms. went to the temple the first time by myself. They were working in the temple, and I ended up with the Baton Rouge YSA. I had never talked to any of them again to this day because I just was not there. So I did baptisms for the first time, and let me tell you, the <laughs> the temple creeped me out. <laughs> really, the first two times I went, it freaked me out i'm like this is an odd feeling i also just got dunked into really warm water <laughs> so i don't know what's going on. Wait, 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 okay. i have two questions one shinnaman why are you like like going like yes i agree <laughs> yes like i i know exactly how she felt i know exactly how she felt is that your first experience very, too i had a very similar very similar it was for me it was eerily quiet it was really quite I I went in and I remember this was in Tokyo and Tokyo noise everywhere you always hear noise 24 7 there's not there's never a time where it's silent and I remember that we opened the door and I could hear the birds I could hear the cars and the door closing I think and I and I remember I was like did I actually join a cult? <laughs> I think that's really like the dress, the white, everything. I was like, whoa, <laughs> give me a second. It's quiet. They all look the same. What is happening <laughs> right now? <laughs> I, I'll i be honest with you. Like, when, when, I think a lot of people have this maybe their first time. It's very foreign because it's a very ancient ritual that, mm-hmm. of course, our day and how we were raised in this society doesn't make any sense because we're like, whoa, like we've never experienced this, but the more you go, the more you realize like, whoa, this is so cool. This is so symbolic. This is 
so much actually to what relates to the savior and what Adam and Eve went through. You're just like, whoa, like when it, it kind of, it's it, peaceful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it hits peaceful. you. And, and I was going to say too, maybe the reason you guys felt weird about it was because like, maybe you weren't very prepared to necessarily feel that spirit or that peace. Right. Because I was interviewing this girl on my last podcast who was like, the first time I felt the spirit, I felt so weird. She was like, I all day I was feeling so weird. And when I finally felt it, I was like, I've never felt this before. What is this? Like, and then eventually later, she's like, this is the spirit. This is what the spirit feels like. Um, So do you think that was maybe your kind of experience of like, whoa, this is very foreign. This feeling is weird. Yeah, I've discovered it's a weird thing to acknowledge, especially like in good things that come in life as well. I I recognize that we're so used to being human and recognizing things as like a coincidence or something like that, that when it comes through us, we don't recognize it as a blessing from God or God speaking to us. We think it's us and our yeah. thoughts. And it's just like the natural man versus is this someone telling me sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dang. I think it's good with uh, Sabra. Sabra. Yes. <laughs> from me and her, especially from you two, you guys were brought up in the church. So you had experience going into the temple from a young age. Yeah. But then when you're going in as a young adult or a teenager, for let's say for the 13 15 years or let's say 19 20 years you have never we, you don't get to experience things like that you, we there's no chance of experiencing like that so when you're thrown into it i remember maybe for you as well i had no idea what i was expecting yeah. like i was like well, what am i gonna get like i know it's important but it, it, it kind of just it was crazy. yeah it was it was crazy yeah it was really crazy i remember that first time I went in and I, I always had this Gucci ring. I had this Gucci ring that was actually a gift from me. And it, and it kind of, it was something that tied me back to my kind of my family and the way that I lived and how that I was raised and how I was living my life. And it was a one piece, even when I joined the church and, and even came back to the church, I kept it on. I always kept it on. I felt attached to it. That day, after I went to the temple, I was getting these weird feelings. I was driving back to Tokyo to Nagoya, four-hour drive. I took the ring off and threw it out the window. Wow. Like, I just had this urge. I was like, yeah, I don't need it anymore. There's, I don't need it. How- but for, the, for like the six hours, I was feeling weird. I was like, I don't know what I'm feeling too much. But I felt that I didn't need the ring anymore. I just threw it out. Do you think? Do you think it was like... You finally had realized, like, I don't need to be attached to this old life. Like, I'm, I'm a new person. I'm growing. I don't need this. Yes, it was. It was a way of for me. It was kind of like guilt as well. Like I'd done all the stupid things. I want to remember, but then after I was like, no, I'm okay. I'm a new person. This person doesn't exist anymore. It's been, but it's in the past. And I just, I remember throwing it out the window wow. while my cousin was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> he was dead asleep in the car. I was having a really spiritual moment, and he was sleeping through it all. All of a sudden, you hear it hit the side of the car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's amazing. That's super cool. I love. I mean, <clears throat> we could go for hours talking about 
I mean, we've had a couple of things where Saber talked about. She had kind of one final last hurrah and like how you kind of like realize like I don't need to tie myself to that old life anymore. And I think there's such a big, cool conversation about not dwelling on the past and becoming new person in Christ. And it's so easy to reminisce on like the good old days, right? It's so easy to be like, oh, I used to do all these sins and it was crazy, right? But it's like... That's that maybe be entertaining and might appeal to some people who are outside of the church. But once you realize that like faith is looking forward, faith is always action towards Christ, towards the future. And once you start realizing that, realizing that you are so much happier leaving behind your past life. You know what I mean? Oh, let's get into your parents. You didn't talk about telling your parents. Yeah. Mom and dad. So gotta hear, I was sort of in and out with my parents at this point because they eventually got me back because they didn't know I was a member and they're like, you need to be honest. Are you lying to me? Yeah, I was lying. <laughs> That's for sure. And obviously I knew I wasn't supposed to be lying. And the Holy Spirit definitely kicked me in the butt for that a few times. <laughs> but it actually, there was, it didn't happen until I got switched from sisters to elders. Yeah, I hate to say elders are my favorite now, but <laughs> that's the point. There was this weird situation where I, um, I got elders. I went and I screamed in the Relief Society room when I found out to everyone. I'm like, we're getting elders. No. And. Oh, you weren't happy about getting elders. No, I was not. You wanted to stay with sisters. I wanted to stay with sisters because my experience with elders in the past had been not great. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like I couldn't deal with it. There's there's a couple bad apples out there. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I was blessed with like the best elders of all time. And they literally with like just jumped on everything and i sure everyone's like everyone tells me now like we were terrified you were gonna leave you had these moments when we were like she's gonna pack up and go home guys (laughs) and they're not wrong now that i look at it but i got we had this p day and i was there i was with all the sisters the elders decided they wanted to have a girls camp testimony meeting Elder Cannon gets up around this campfire and he goes, we're going to have a girls camp testimony meeting because the girls want to do it. And we're just going to bear our testimonies on how we felt in the mission recently. And I was there. So they were like, Saber, you can share if you want. You don't have to. And Elder Cannon goes or Elder Lent. One of them said it. They go. And girls feel free to cry, but us elders aren't. And they will never live it down to this day. (laughs) So it got, they all got around and just the spirit was speaking to me. I'm sitting here the whole time with my phone sitting beside me. I'm like, I need to call her. I need to call her. And it got to the point where almost everyone was done. And Elder Cannon turns to me and I'm looking directly at him and he smiles and he's like nods. So I pick up my phone and I tell the Apple app. <laughs> I'm not even going to say it because my phone will go off and start <laughs> doing it to call my mom. And just saying the call mom, I heard tears everywhere. They started bawling their eyes out and they are never going to live that down <laughs> to the same. <laughs> I tell everyone that. And they're like, 
there's no way this is happening right now because they knew what my relationship with my parents was like. They knew how much that was going to break and how much harder that was going to make it for me because they knew how my mom would react. Well, they were right. My mother cussed me out over the phone and hung up. It's like, don't come home. I didn't go home. I went back to the play locks. So. Yeah. Wait, in front of like all the missionaries? In front of the whole Was it on speaker? It was not on speaker because oh, I okay, knew she okay. was going to cuss me out, but they heard every word I said. Yeah. <laughs> At least I'm like, hey, mom, I've got something to tell you. I've been lying to you. And she's like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whoa. Like, I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And she hung up the phone. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you probably felt relieved maybe? Or do, how was that? I, like, I did feel relieved. But at the same time, I was absolutely terrified. Everyone saw me just like after she hung up, I broke down. And they all huddled around me, especially the sisters. And were just like all over me because they're like, this is about to be the craziest ride from here on out. You think my baptism was crazy? My parents, my Baptist strict parents finding out, that's when I thought that all heck was going to break loose. Like, that's just how that went. And, like, I remember I was on my way home. They're like, do you feel safe to drive? I'm like, yeah, I feel fine because I'm an hour and a half from the house. I'm in Alexandria. Yeah. And... I go to Walmart because I was going to get clothes because I knew I was not going to go home and even face my mother at that point that yeah. night. And I call my bishop and I'm like, you'll never guess what I just did. And my <laughs> my bishop's from South Africa, so he has that accent. Yeah. And he goes, you are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> my bishop's and mine plan was until I could make it out of that situation, until I could get a job that would withhold me or like went on a mission until I was like out of that thing. We wanted to keep the peace with my mother by not telling her. Yeah. So yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Can I ask you, how old were you when this was happening? I was 20. I I was just, I was two days shy of 21 when I told my mother. Wow. So I didn't even have access to my money because the law in, um, because my money was put into an account in Georgia. The law is mm. your parents have guardianship over it until you're 21. That's whoa. That's whoa. Yeah. That's really weird. Wait. So what about, we haven't heard anything about your dad. Like what did he care? Was he just like, well, whatever. Like <laughs> my dad's very, um, not like outspoken about it. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell by his emotions, he's disappointed, but he's just dealt with so much with the strife in our family that it's just like, you can't tell. And like, especially now you can tell it's affected him because you've been with me through the, he's had two heart attacks in the last three months, Whoa. less than three months. So it's definitely affecting them that I'm not there. But honestly, at this point, I'm having to look out for me more than anything. Yeah. I still love and care about them, but any explanation I give them is just not going to be good enough. Yeah. I, so in my own experience and in so many other people's experiences that I've heard, it's sometimes we think we always need to be best friends with our family and we always need to make it work no matter what. But if it just doesn't work because of 
keeping your mental health sane, whether or not it just doesn't work because there's abuse or whether it doesn't work because you guys just don't get along and you're more upset than you are apart. Like it's better to, it's okay to separate. I don't think you always have to be best friends. It's just not how it's, it doesn't have to be that way. I guess kind of jumping back to what we talked about at the beginning, like uh, in some ways, like you now might know better than your family and it'll be hard for hard, but It'll be what's worth it in the end, and eventually yeah. it'll be made right. Yeah, exactly. you out, you outgrew. It's like growing into shoes. You eventually outgrow it, and man, nah, kudos to you, like straight up, one hundred percent to you that you you had the strength to stop because it's not easy to stop lying. You know, you did it to protect your family, whether it's good or not. But um, nah, yeah, that was really brave of you, man. Mm-hmm. That's kind of when it top came, dog, top dog. When it came to the point, like uh. Do I continue to either respect and support my parents or do I do what I feel and what I feel God is telling me is best? Yeah, exactly. There's this one story called the John Carpenter story. Um, it's or John Carpenter conversion story. And it's this dude who is Catholic and um, he is, his parents raised $40,000 for him to become a Catholic priest, went to seminary. And um, the, the day of his graduation of seminary, he was baptized in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and broke it to his parents. And they basically said, don't come home. You don't have a son anymore. Um, And he went back to his missionaries and he said, guys, I can't do this anymore. I'm losing my whole family. They literally have their whole life from when I was born. They wanted me to become this Catholic um, priest. And he's like, I don't know if I can do this. And the missionaries said to him, they were like, do you want to love your family until you die? Or do you want to love them for eternity? And he was like, I want to love them for eternity. And they say, well, you're making the right decision then because you're in the true church, Jesus Christ. And, and that's, that's just the fact of it is maybe right now, you know, if you did choose to just love them until you guys die, you wouldn't have been baptized. You would have done exactly what they said and they would have approved you. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a big thing that I've learned recently, especially because Elder Cannon sent me that story too, when I was having a rough time and fun fact, he got baptized on December 4th as well. So, um, Because I remember that distinctly. I'm like, we got baptized on the same day. Wait, who got baptized? John Carpenter. No way. Yeah. I remember that guy. (laughs) No way. Yeah. Okay. um, I get that my explanation will never be good enough for some of you, but I am not on this earth to please man. I am here to please Heavenly Father. So. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's. That's perfect. Exactly. what, And I think we're the coolest thing is like our whole life, we're going to be learning to do that. We're going to learning how to choose Heavenly Father over what other people think about us, what we ourselves think is the best and um, relying on Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ constantly is like our goal. Right. Yeah. And it's cool that you're already at a big, big um, improvement on that aspect that you're able to do that. Those are listening. She got her endowment yesterday. Right. Um, and that's pretty cool. And Especially from your story, it's just like it's all, in my opinion, relates to the premortal life. Because it's like, no way this happens just by coincidence. Like it's too crazy. Like you, in 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 no offense, but in you in from your story and, and what you went through, you have no possibility of being where you are now. Like it doesn't make any sense. Um, I've I've met loads of people like you that choose the exact opposite way, the exact opposite direction of people I taught who. They continued drinking alcohol. They continued hating the church. They continued doing whatever they wanted. But for some reason, you out of the millions of Southern Baptists or Baptists somehow end up here to where you get your endowment and you're literally like 
so strong. And I bet your relationship with Jesus Christ is 10 times stronger than it was when it was, yeah, it was an experience for sure. So when I moved out here, I knew I wanted to get my endowment. I just wasn't sure when because I was still going back and forth on everything. I had been to the temple twice and I didn't really want to go back. I decided even though I don't truly understand the temple as much right now, I'm going to go to every single one in the state of Utah. Whoa. That's open. And I did baptisms in every single one that week. That week? That week. All, wait. I did wait. five in one day. How, how many How many temples are in Utah? Like when was this? Because 20? there were like fourteen open at the time. Okay, what? so I went all the way up from what is Lo Logan's the farthest one up there, and then all the way down to Cedar City. Wow! Whoa, that's <laughs> so cool. Was this a couple weeks ago? Because I know you. Nope, this is when I first moved. Okay, here. okay. Because I know you went and did spent like all I day. Did. So last week, the week before my baptism, I spent. Week before your endowment, you mean? Yes. Endowment. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my endowment. I spent, um, I was at the temple from 11 a.m. till 8 p.m. Doing that, baptisms. Whoa. I did seven, Doing baptisms? Every single, every single session of baptisms you could that get into. That I could into. sneak into. I yeah. did like 55 baptisms that day. And did, did you also was, go to a different temple to try to sneak in as well? I can't remember. I did remember. not. I didn't okay. end up doing that. I... <laughs> I didn't, but I like how I you say it sneak in. Like 20, yeah. she's like, well, all the appointments were full. I didn't really yeah. have a choice. I Whoa. remember this one time. I thought I was gonna die because I just had the double knee surgery too. Yeah. So my knees are like not doing this. <laughs> this is like a week after my double knee surgery, and I'm sitting there getting dunked, and they're like, "So for this session, we're just gonna have you do 20 baptisms in a row." And I'm like, "I'm sorry, what?" <laughs> no way. And I ended up getting dunked 20 times in a row, and I'm like, "My knees are gonna." hate me tomorrow and my physical therapist is gonna hate me more <laughs> 55 is a lot that's yeah. pretty dang cool so dang. i'd go back and forth in between sessions that i couldn't get into i'd go back and do family history yeah. and then take those family names and whoa so i did a lot of both and I, How, I, I, i'm pretty sure yesterday when we did the endowment session you had names prepared for the sisters to do as well didn't you or I did, but I forgot them in my okay. car. So they're still sitting in my car. I was going to print names and give them to some of the people that were coming so that when that when they came in, I would have my family there in spirit. Wow. Yeah. Because they would be receiving their endowments as well. That's so, so cool. <laughs> yeah. That is so cool. Wow. So then tell us about your endowment. Obviously, don't tell us what the endowment is. Yeah. But no. like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was so up until that day everyone was like everyone knew I was thinking about backing out I was like not ready I was like do I want to do this and I had actually called with a friend who is inactive right now and he goes you only really should do it if you're going on a mission or you're getting married it's gonna scare you to death <laughs> I walked in that door and I sat there in awe the whole entire time. I know Sister O'Neill, my escort, was sitting there beside me going, she has the biggest smile on her face right now. And everyone's like, you're not going to understand it. Don't try to take it all in. I understood every single word that was being said. Whoa. I like knew everything that was going on. And I was just like, I, this is like the reaffirming I needed that I am on the right path. And that's why I like 
honestly, if it didn't go well, I probably would not be sitting in this chair right now. <laughs> I would have texted you like, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> You're like, nice. we're in a cult. I'm not coming to <laughs> But like, it was just, I don't want to say magical because it wasn't really, like, you know, magical, but it was such a spiritual experience. And I had never felt so strong in my entire life that I was where I was supposed to be at that time. And in that moment, too, I woke up this morning and I was like, I'm starting my mission papers, too, because there's no reason I should hide the joy that I feel Mm -hmm. when the whole world deserves to know that joy. Right. (laughs) That's amazing. There's a reason it's called an endowment of power. It's like you actually see a difference in your life of like, I mean, I, at least I have, I've seen such a difference from like, oh my gosh, like I'm able to progress so much stronger spiritually, but go ahead, Shinobun. I know you, I know you're over there with a question. Um, the week before your endowments, what were you feeling? I was feeling rough. So the actual week before, I mean, I went to the temple and did all those baptisms, Mm -hmm. But throughout that week, I just felt like it was a weird emptiness that I was like second guessing almost. And I was unsure if I wanted to be doing what I was doing. I was questioning myself. I'm like, did I really just pick up, leave my family, move to Utah for no reason? But what I kept doing was I kept looking at the list of people coming. I'm like, how are there also this many people that care about me at the same time that want me to do this? There's obviously a reason that I'm here and that I have this big of a support system. Like I had the 15 RMs, all my missionaries that are still out, their parents came. And then I have like there were so 10 many people, people from there. my ward. There was, I think there's like 50, 60 people there so just special. for me. Like and pretty much the whole session was just people yeah. there for her, really. And then it gets even better because the other family that was there, the other girl that was receiving her own endowments, her son, her, not her son, her, her brother, I was talking to the mom, but her brother is actually serving in the Louisiana Baton Rouge mission Whoa. where I was baptized. Whoa. So I know, and his, her brother baptize the other convert that has almost the exact same story that I've become good friends with. So I'm like texting less. I'm like, yo, there's no way you'll see what just happened. (laughs) So it was just like an experience because in reality, everyone somewhat in some way knew each other there because there was that connection. So it wasn't as odd or awkward as everyone I thought it would be because there was some, a connection to everybody. Mm -hmm. If I could jump in real quick, I actually invited a few of my friends who didn't know Sabra. One of my friends, he's from Georgia. One of my other friends that's just got back from his mission in North Carolina. And all the friends that I invited, they, my friends themselves, they didn't know each other either. They came and my other friend was talking to my other friend like, yeah, you were MTC companions with my friend who actually served in my mission, not your mission. There was like, like what she's saying, there were so many connections. I actually used to be a temple worker in that, in that temple. So I knew all the people who were working for that session. Um, and even though I've been to that temple a million times, so like just being in that session, I would look over at Sabra and I could not help but smile seeing how big her smile was. It was, it was wild because I mean, I went to that farewell talk today, right? My car broke down at the temple when I first moved here. When I was doing that whole temple, this was the second to last. Nope. This is not the second to last. It was one of the last temples because the next day I was supposed to drive down to Cedar City in St. George and see those temples. 
So we met him. We had a conversation in the parking lot. In his talk, he brought that up and he's like, she told me about her conversion story and all that. It was so super cool. And I had the opportunity to go with her to the temple yesterday and he just started falling. He's like, I wasn't even sure that I was going to leave on my mission. I wasn't 100% sure I wanted to get set apart for a home MTC. I was not going to go until I saw I came through and saw that smile on her face in the other room. Who is this dude? That you went and saw give us farewell? Just a Elder random guy? Elder Sosa. No, he was a random guy to me until I my car broke down at the temple and he just happened to appear. He was apparently, he said, I didn't know this till today when he was giving his talk, but he was having a rough day. So he came to the temple to read his scriptures and he saw me and we ended up talking for an hour and a half. And then we just kind of, we randomly see each other here and there, but he was able to come to the temple with me last night and it was just... And then he gave his fair walk to farewell fair talk, talk today. today. He narrowly escaped getting to my endowment. He had just put his papers in. Next week got his call. He got his call two weeks ago. Wow. Wow. And was leaving today. So he only had two weeks to prepare for his mission. And his sister just left last week. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you're saying there's also a reason your car broke down. There is a reason. <laughs> I I mean, I'm like, my car broke down for a good reason. Like if I feel like I'm not going to say it was because if he probably will still would have gone on the mission just because, but he would have felt more forced to go on yeah. his mission. Um, but if my car hadn't broke down, we wouldn't have gotten to have that experience. Yeah. Wait, so, so, and then in his farewell talk today, he talked about how much that meant to him that you had, he had seen you receive your endowment. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Jeez. Now I put the story together. That's way cool. He was smiling when he walked in the room and saw me there and like, after I had just received my endowment and was in the celestial room, he goes, wow. Like, he didn't tell me that now, but I could see the look on his face. It was different. And when he was giving his talk, he's like, if I hadn't seen the smile on her face after, she confirmed to me the reason I'm going on my mission is for people with stories like her. That's cool. So. That is so cool. I was going to say, too, this isn't an endowment connection, but this is a weird connection that how did you even see my podcast? Was it from him? Did he introduce it to you? No, it popped it up wasn't on Facebook. For me. So funny story. It was the day I gave my talk. Okay. The podcast popped up on Facebook and I saw my friend Les Duncan liked it. I, and he was, the, he's the other convert that has a story almost like me. Okay. And at this point, Trevin Harris, who was an elder in the mission, he said, I just sent that recording of the podcast that I sent to you to the rest of my family and they love it. They not recording the podcast, the recording of my talk. Your talk, yeah. And they go, um, you need to reach out to this podcast. And it wasn't your podcast, but he didn't know the name of it. So then your podcast pops up and I'm like, I'll just text him. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. I, I actually did not know about your podcast until she sent it to me. What? And then I was like, wait, I saw that guy in Japan in May. And I was what yeah. the heck? I actually would like everyone to share their experience, like just your guys. I haven't had my endowments yet. So I'm actually interested in your guys' experience because I've heard my cousin's experience, uh, experience on his endowment. His one was quite intense. And then listening to her one, like from what I've only heard like three people's stories before, but it seems to be, it, it hits differently. But for you two as return missionaries did you guys get it before your mission did you get it after your mission and what was the feeling 
before and after? Do you want to go first? I, I can go first. I I definitely feel like it wasn't until after my mission, um, especially just because in Japan, our mission did not have a temple. So I got endowed, left my mission right after, didn't go to the temple for almost two to three years, especially with because of how COVID happened. I mm. left my mission mm. July uh, 2019 got home August 2021 and just with the co- timing of COVID I didn't go to the temple for two to three years um, and then I got back from my mission uh, a year later I started serving as a worker and this is where I feel like it really my understanding of the endowment really kicked off um, I something that I just feel so special about the endowment especially from the worker side of things, is I felt like I got to understand God's perspective on how he treats his children. Um, Because everything in the temple, it's, I mean, typically we think about, okay, I'm doing temple work for other people. But I had an experience one day as a worker where it was my first day there and I was um, officiating. So I was kind of in charge of a session and uh, kind of running the show, so to say, as a temple worker. And I was extremely nervous. I said a prayer for help and in walked one of my best friends from my mission. And when I served in Japan, there was 26 missionaries total. There was almost nobody there. So 26 people out of the whole entire world, this one guy walks in and I felt like I was kind of in my perspective, I was heavenly father and one of my children or one of my best friends, one of the people I loved so much just walked in and they're on their way to come join me at my celestial kingdom home or my, my, I, it's, it's yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. That's so <laughs> cool. I have so much to say about that. I just think it's so cool how you can learn that because it is as heavenly father's perspective mm-hmm. as a worker. So yeah. that's so cool. I didn't recognize that until I became a worker too. I had gone to the temple a lot, um, leading up to before coming, becoming a worker. And then once I became a worker, I was like, everything just kind of started to, to click, especially the temple. I actually had the similar thoughts, like, is this a cult? I would think that a couple of times at the temple. I was like, this is kind of weird. Like everybody's yeah. doing weird things with their hands. Like what's going on? Yeah, yeah. And then, but every time at the end of that session, I that my thought went away like, no, this isn't a cult. This is Heavenly Father. This is the power of God. There's nothing else it could be. This will get into my experience with the endowment, but I want to work in the temple so bad. I've So I apply, I, I, as soon as I got home from my mission, I asked my bishop to allow me to go to the temple and be a temple worker. But I didn't know this, but if you've had a membership council, you can't work in the temple for five years. And I had a membership council, which is basically if you do something really bad, you have to go through this council and... Um, but so in five years, I'll be able to work in the temple. But this goes to my endowment story. Okay. So Shinobun, my experience was pretty crazy, I would say. So my my first time going through, I remember listening to the temple ceremony. And um, there's one part where God's like, it says, God will not be mocked. And at that point in time, I was very, very unworthy. <laughs> Very, very unworthy to be in the temple. Um, I, I like, I had basically every sin you could think of, and I had not repented of it yet. Um, and I was just kind of going on a mission because I haven't shared my full story on the podcast. But short version is that I knew God existed; He had saved me from a really scary situation. And I thought, well, my siblings and my some older people I knew in my life, they wow, they're amazing. They went on missions. Like I want to be like them. So I want to go 
help others find God because God saved me. That was kind of my reason. I didn't really believe the church was fully true. I didn't know why I was really serving mission other than I was like, I want to be like these amazing people in my life. Um, and I know God is real. So this is like the only option I could see working. Right. And so I, I, first time I went through, I heard God will not be mocked. And I was like, frick, I'm mocking God right now. I was like, I felt super odd. I was like, oh, this is weird. And then I felt really weird to be honest with you. Like I didn't, I didn't, I thought it was kind of weird. And I, I, I kind of saw it as cultish. I was like, this is weird. Like this is pretty It's kind of scary though. That's kind of scary. The first thing they say is God will not be mocked. That, that's kind of freaky. That's actually really scary. It is the truth though. I'm pretty sure it was quoting scripture. Yeah. 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 God will not be mocked. And that's part of the whole thing with Lucifer and, yeah. and I mean, going down. Yeah. Even if it isn't in scripture, it makes sense. Like he's the creator of all things. Of course, people mocking him should be like, he has it's all bad. Power. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, but it's true. It can be scary, especially for someone like me who's like totally was not worthy or prepared to be in the temple at the time. Um, so then I went on my mission, right? I always thought the endowment, I was like, this is weird. I, I defended it, of course, but I was like, I kind of just always was like, oh, like it's an ancient ritual. We won't understand it, but it's kind of weird. Like in the back of my mind, I was like, it's kind of weird. So then I serve eight months. Um, I realize, long story short, I realize the church is true. And I'm like, holy crap, like all these miracles are happening. My testimony of the Savior is crazy. I was like, dang, I need to go take care of some repenting. I need to go take care of some sins. So I went home from my mission. As you know, I confessed first presidency, sent me home. Um, and I repented for six months. And during that time, I was a, I went to the temple probably three to four times a week doing endowment session, sessions. And that, that was the time I, I can't even explain it to you other, other than I felt more comfortable in the temple than I did in the real world. Because I was in the temple so often, when I, when I went outside, I felt like like I didn't belong like outside the temple. Yeah, if I could jump in, I actually had a almost the exact same thing happen. I was on my mission for six months. I actually, I mean, COVID sent me home, but I felt like I came home to repent. Um, and then when I was a worker, the, every day that I went to put on from my white suit to my regular suit, I did not like putting on my regular suit. I was like, dang, I got to go back outside. What the heck? I'm yeah. not, this is, bruh. Yeah. It was, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very mm-hmm. weird feeling to be able to like, it's hard Start, to put into words, kind of. I yeah. Don't know. It, no, it, it totally is. It And so during that time, and also, this is another thing. I had addictions. I had a lot of problems because of my past life. And this is a big story, but basically during that time, my biggest fear was like, I'm never going to be able to stay worthy to get back on a mission. Like they're saying I have to, and they told me you have to be home for a year and a half and you have to not sin, basically not fall into any deep sin. And I was like, there's no way. I have so many problems. I'm so weak. Um, and I'm telling you the temple being in the endowment session every single day, like I'd walk out and that endowment of power, I have such a strong testimony of that. Cause I was able to resist against all my past addictions. Like somehow I still don't know how to this day other than it's, it's a, my, my, I mean, I think all of our stories are a miracle, but my story of being able to somehow overcome my sins and, and overcome my weaknesses through, through the atonement. And being in the temple, giving me power, like it's, it's crazy. So that's my experience with, with the endowment is at first culty at second, the most amazing thing I've experienced when it comes to allowing me to learn more about the savior and overcome my weaknesses. I guess if I could jump in again, there's actually a, 
a quote from President Monson that I love so much. And it says, as we touch the temple and love the temple, our lives will reflect our faith. As we go to the holy house, as we remember the covenants we make therein, we will be able to bear every trial and overcome each temptation. That's so cool. Dang. How do you feel about all that, Shinamun? I like it. I dig it. I dig it. I dig it a lot. And yeah, I think for me it's... Right now, not not to make it about myself, but like, yeah, the endowments, I've, I'm afraid of what what's gonna go in, what I'm gonna hear. That's it's, that's what I'm mostly worried it's a scary about. Scary thing to think about, especially when you're not like you weren't raised in the church, and you're thinking like, this is probably some of the weirdest stuff I will ever do in my life, mm-hmm. and like, cause I. I honestly, I didn't even go to temple prep like I was supposed to. I went to temple prep once and decided it was in the smallest room in that building and I was not going back. So I didn't even have temple prep. But like if you're supposed, if it's what you're supposed to be doing and I didn't even feel ready when I went, I didn't. I was just going because everybody else wanted me to. But somehow I was ready because when I got to the temple that day, I got there two hours early. and. As soon as I walked in the door, I'm like, this is going to be weird. This is going to be weird. But when I started going through the ceremonies, I was like, why is this so like mind opening and eye opening and like just makes so much sense to me right now? And like you don't there by no means do you have to understand it all. But the fact that I was just able to do what I was supposed to do like that without any help, I was like this is where I'm supposed to be at this time. And I I was told I was going to feel weird. I was going to told it was going to be really, really odd. But for me, I mean, obviously y'all felt like it was odd a little mm-hmm. bit. I didn't feel any of those things. I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to in that time. So it's really just when you are ready, even, you mm-hmm. know, you'll know. So. And I think even... To be honest with you, everyone can make an argument that will we ever be ready? And so, like, probably not for anything. Like, people say, like, oh, like, you know, I wasn't ready for a mission. But, like, I don't think any of us are ready for missions. Like, we think we are. And then we get out there and we're like, well, I did not expect people to be slamming doors in my face and feeling this type of way. Right. But Mm -hmm. I also think it's the temple. Like, you can go to temple prep, but, like, you will never, I mean, no one will ever be fully prepared. You know what I mean? You have to actually experience something to be prepared for that experience. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm not sure if I'm okay to say this, but it says, I think in the endowment, sometimes like you're, it's best learned by revelation. So it's like, yeah, you're going to learn more about the temple as you go to the temple. Exactly. Yeah. That was another thing was like, I knew I wasn't ready. And, but that's another thing I told myself and the elders kept telling me, they're like, you're never going to be ready. And I, I mean, this was, a weird thing to think about but you know that like the world is like the sin is just going over the top right now everything is just like coming crashing down and my other thought was as the only member in my family I have a lot to do for other people I mean obviously I'm going to have help getting it done but I have a lot to do for the rest of them and I'm like Jesus could come back anytime. If we're yeah. being honest, he could come back anytime. And I'm going to be like, if I don't do this, I can't help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's cool. Well, this has been an awesome, awesome podcast. 
And I've been super grateful to be able to hear your story and hear everyone's thoughts too. It's been really like spirit filled. Like I've really felt the spirit really strongly. Um, I guess, uh, I guess I, I sorry, before we end, um, no, you're good. I, I was curious if, um, for Sabra's family, I know your relationship's kind of shaky, but if they were to watch this podcast, is there anything you would actually want to tell your family or your mom with like a loving message in mind, of course, but is there anything you really want them to know? Yeah, I mean, I just, I just hope that they can see the changes that have come over me in the light of Christ and not in a mind of darkness and that they can see the love that I truly want to share and the joy that the true church and gospel has brought me. So that's just, I just hope they can see that through my story and, you know, what I have to say. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say too, um, before we end, we always ask the person who's giving their conversion story if they'd like to share their thoughts with someone who's going through the same experience. So like from a Baptist to a Latter-day Saint, um, what what would you, like what advice would you give to someone maybe going through that same experience or who is a Baptist and you can talk to your um, Baptist friends, what would you say to them about like advice or this church? There's something the missionaries told me that I never, you know, truly acknowledged till now and moving out to Utah and leaving my family behind with everything going on, I've just discovered, I'm like, there's the three things, and the only one I truly remember is enduring to the end. You have to, you are going to have hardships. It's going to be a challenge, but we are here to please God, not man. So we need to just continue and endure. It's going to be rough. It's going to be hard and not make sense at all for like the longest time, but you will gradually receive knowledge as you continue to seek the truth. So just keep searching for the church. And sometimes it's not what's meant for other people. Like some people are meant to have their work done by someone else, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like it's not everyone's cup of tea. I mean, I thought it wasn't going to be my cup of tea, but look where I am. <laughs> so yeah, I it's mean, amazing. That's awesome. I I mean, it's it's true. It's not not everyone's going to. We all have free agency for a reason. God's given us free will for a reason. Not everyone's going to be the exact same. If we were all the exact same, it'd be Satan's plan, right? You wanted everyone to be the exact same and not have any choice to do anything. So it's okay for certain people to choose to follow Christ now and and because we can't force them to. We're not communists, right? So we're just trying our best. And of course, as Latter-day Saints, we're going to try to bring our brothers and sisters back. And that's our, I mean, that's our duty, right? Carry on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You, you, I really felt it like yeah, your story was it was really beautiful. Thank you so much for coming in and you know sharing it with us. Yes, thank you. It's been awesome. Okay, well, everybody, this has been Conversion to Christ podcast. We are so grateful we had this episode today, and we'll see you on the next one. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome guys. Yeah.